The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome, one and all, in here, out there, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Folks, I know... There, there are... A lot of reasons people watch this show, but I know first and foremost, you come for our rock bottom prices. <laughs> Every episode of The Late Show is 100% free as long as you keep buying whatever our advertisers are selling. <laughs> of course, these days, a lot of that stuff is getting pricier because the new inflation numbers came out today and prices have jumped a whopping 8.5% since last March. 8.5%. That means no more splurging at the grocery store. Instead of Milwaukee's best, it'll have to be Waukesha's, eh. <laughs> Which is, let's face it, not that much worse. Eh. Eh. H how bad is this? These inflation rates are the highest since 1981. And keep in mind, back in 1981, things were so expensive, your cereal bowl had to double as your hat. <laughs> you, you had to crack that whip. You had to whip inflation now. You had to whip it good. Overall, the items hit hardest by rising prices are food, shelter, and gasoline. So you shouldn't be affected as long as you don't eat anything, <laughs> be anywhere, or go anyplace. <laughs> now today, was this just today? This is just today. Down in Washington, in an effort to reduce gas prices, President Biden announced that he will be allowing gasoline that uses a 15% ethanol blend. Ooh, a blend. <laughs> it sounds so sophisticated. Mmm. I'm getting notes. I'm getting notes of Iowa corn, mm, some some oaky hydrocarbons, and oh, this is really fracking my taste buds. Is this is this from North Dakota? This blend is called E15, and because it requires less crude oil, it can cost 10 cents per gallon less on average. Okay, so that's uh, what was that? 10 percent less? 10 percent? That's 15. That's 15 percent blend. Saves 10 pence per gallon, 16 gallons in a tank of gas. Average national price of... That comes out to... Yeah, still not enough to save the Democrats in the midterms. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Not looking good. 
Uh, oh, moving on to COVID, uh, or in kind of a kind of a weird time uh, for COVID. The national infection rate is ticking up, but we don't know by how much because of all the at-home tests. Still, some areas are taking action, like yesterday, when Philadelphia announced it is reinstating its mask mandate. Because it's Philly, people can choose between surgical masks, uh, KN95s, or full gritty heads. <laughs> but it turns out it's not easy to ask people to put masks back on after they've had a taste of the face freedom. As CNN's Elizabeth Cohn explained. In general, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to get people to obey mask mandates again. To just say, hey, whenever you're in a restaurant or a store or wherever, wear a mask, I, I think that's going to be very difficult to do. I agree. It's already difficult enough to understand what Philadelphians are saying. I ain't had no crime. I ain't enough. Legs are going, everything is going, nobody's getting enough. Guy comes up offers me a fight. Big dude, want to fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he was ordering a salad. <laughs> Dressing on the side. <laughs> the mandate will go into effect this coming Monday in order to provide a one-week education period for businesses. The mandate's only been over for a month. <laughs> How much relearning is there to do? It's not like every Christmas I go, why is there a tree in our house? <laughs> Who put this laundry on our mantelpiece? Get our child off that old man's lap. <laughs> You're crazy. Over in Ukraine, we are in week seven of Russia's supposedly three-day invasion. The sanctions have had a brutal effect on the Russian economy, so Russia wants to get us back. Last night, our intelligence agencies warned that Putin may increase efforts to interfere with U.S. elections. And just listen to this Kremlin-connected pundit say it baldly on Putin's Russian state TV. It is time for us, for our people, to call on the people of the United States to change the regime in the U.S. early and to again help our partner Trump to become president. Again, help? They're not even pretending anymore. <laughs> Russia's influence on the former president's campaign is going to be out in the open this time. That's why, in 2024, he's already said he's replacing Mike Pence. His new running mate is Potato. <laughs> they gotta say. Delicious. It's like a Where's Waldo. Gotta say, that potato has more charisma than Mike Pence. <laughs> but at least Putin has moved on to the next election. Unlike disgraced attorney and rest home gigolo, John Eastman. Eastman is the former president's former lawyer who hatched the brilliant plot to have Mike Pence overturn the 2020 election. And his election crimes have drawn the January 6th committee's attention. They've already gotten his documents and his emails from him, but he's not backing down. In fact, we just learned that Eastman is still pushing to decertify the 2020 election. That's right, the election that's been over for a year and a half, and that Biden won. To put that into perspective, when the election was decided, J-Lo was engaged to a different guy. <laughs> okay? She was... This is... She was the show. She was... 
She was engaged to Alex Rodriguez. Forget Benifer, she was supposed to be Mrs. Arad. <laughs> I believe that's what they call him. They call him Arad, right? Arad. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. This, this is. <laughs> I don't know. No? I no, think that's how they pronounce it. Here's what happened. About three weeks ago, Eastman took a trip to Wisconsin and urged Republican Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss to nullify the 2020 election, specifically to start reclaiming the electors and move forward with either having a new slate of electors seated that would declare someone else the winner or a do-over. A do-over? <laughs> Our ex-president isn't allowed a do-over just because he didn't like the result the first time? That's how you get an Eric. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's just... See? There you go. There you go. Dangerous. Yeah. One problem uh, with Eastman's plan, all of it, He's trying to relitigate the 2020 election, which legal experts say is impossible. Only if you don't believe in yourself. That's why I'll never throw away my Mondale 84 signs. <laughs> Fritz only has to overturn 49 states. You're going down, Reagan. Down, down, down. Reagan's going down. Down, down, down. Ronnie's going down. Down, down. <laughs> Gotta believe. Eastman is not alone. America is full of radicals who sow chaos and distrust in our elections. Case in point, Georgia representative and star of Honey, I Shrunk the Anti-Semite, Marjorie Taylor Greene. As I said, Eastman is in the crosshairs of the January 6th committee, and Greene believes it's time they just get over it, as she said this weekend. The American people are fed up with this over-dramatization of a riot that happened here at the Capitol one time. Yeah. <laughs> but that one time was pretty bad. <laughs> Out of the hundreds of people I've met, I ate only one of them. And suddenly, <laughs> I'm Carl the Cannibal and a person of interest in an ongoing investigation. <laughs> Pass the ketchup. Get out. I want to finish my chicken fingers. I got a little something. I got a little something. Uh, there's major news news tonight, because last night, Rachel... Rachel? Rachel! <laughs> I call her Rachel. <laughs> Rachel Maddow returned to her show after two months off and made this startling announcement. I will be here this month, Monday through Thursday nights, and then starting next month, starting in May, I'm going to be here weekly. I'm going to be here on Monday nights, and we will never speak of it again. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> Rachel, you're breaking your fans' hearts. Don't leave us with Lawrence O'Donnell. <laughs> he has dead eyes like a doll. <laughs> Hi, Lawrence. Rachel, Rachel was... He's a lovely guy. He's a lovely fellow. Rachel, cutting back to one night a week, raises an important question. Can you do that? <laughs> More importantly, how can I do that? I've been doing a nightly show for 17 years. I'm aging faster than a bucket of unrefrigerated shrimp. <laughs> Rachel is switching to one day a week in order to work on other projects like podcasts and potential TV dramas. TV dramas. I guess it's only a matter of time before we get Rachel in Paris. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up. Meanwhile.
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. John, we got... Coming up here on the show tonight. Thanks, everybody. John, I'm looking at here. We have we have two wonderful guests tonight. Two just astounding women on the show tonight. Representative Cori Bush oh, yeah. from Missouri is here That's tonight. Right. First African American woman yes. ever elected to That's Congress right. from from Missouri. Hard to believe. Just yeah. last year, mm-hmm. incredibly dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person had an incredible life story. And uh, Molly Shannon is here tonight yes. with a. A memoir, just a beautiful memoir of her life. Hilarious person, heartfelt memoir. Um, Speaking of uh, uh, heartfelt uh, experiences, people in New York here, as the people in the audience could tell you, a little shaken today because the events that happened in Brooklyn, absolute horrible scene of a shooting on uh, a train in Brooklyn this morning. Uh, A man got onto the train, threw an improvised uh, sort of smoke bomb device and started shooting people on the train. 29 people have injuries, 10 people were shot, five people are in critical but stable condition so far. Thankfully, there have been no fatalities. Um, but it's still, it's, it's such a troubling and such, uh, such a horrifying news to hear. And the person's still at large. We don't, no one knows where this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, you live in Brooklyn. Did, did, did you, were you anywhere near this? Was did this affect you coming in in any way today? No, I wasn't near this, but I, I heard about it, and and I just don't understand why stuff like this happens. Well, in the world we have evil, it's real, but we got to stay strong. We got to be positive, and hopefully, no one is lost in this. But hold the ones you love close, because in times like this, you never know what could happen in the next minute. It's true, um, but if there's a, a city that can um, uh, take something like this. And, and move ahead with strength, it's this city, yeah. the greatest city in the world. That's right. New York. New York City. New York City. That's right. Nothing really to be said. No, there's nothing really to be said other than that our, our thoughts and, and our sincere prayers go out to everyone who is affected by this in Brooklyn today, all those who are wounded and their families, and to say, we love you, New York. Stay strong. Mm-hmm. Be brave. You beautiful city. Folks, if you watch this show, you know I spend most of my time right over there carefully combing the news landscape, harvesting the finest, most beautiful story pigments like malachite, azurite, and cinnabar. 
which I slowly grind under a glass muller with only the most topical linseed oil, working them into smooth, buttery vermilions, verdigris, and new gamboge, which I then apply to a grisaille prepared on a canvas of flax, toe, and jute, slowly working up the shadow shapes and major masses, then delicately rendering the interplay of light and form before applying the fine damar and mastic varnish to unveil for you the glorious Rembrandt portrait of the day's events that is my nightly monologue. But sometimes... Sometimes, folks... Sometimes I'm shaken awake inside a darkened trunk of a Bulgarian mobster's Volvo 940. I quietly release the safety catch and tumble onto the side of a dirt road, breaking both clavicles, which I do not feel because of all the angel dust. I stagger <laughs> into an abandoned tannery where I befriend an owl who tells me I have to let him speak through me or he'll murder the clouds. And in his direction, I mix the fun dip I found in my pocket with the fistfuls of hexavalent chromium I scoop up from the disused tanning pits, then hurl it at the side of a nearby defunct Dairy Queen in a fugue state of lashing out at light and color to unleash for you the abstract expressionist splatter fresco of news that is my segment. A glass of cold water on a hot day is what it is. Meanwhile, <laughs> in Seattle, the iconic Space Needle is turning 60 and is holding a contest to commemorate it. The winners will get to help repaint the Space Needle roof. <laughs> or you could not enter and win an even more exciting prize, not painting the Space Needle's roof. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's news for all those who miss the golden jet-set age of air travel because your next American Airlines flight could be on a bus. <laughs> the new service starts June 3rd when American Airlines buses will provide travelers with connections between airports. And if you want to know what it's like to take a bus from one airport to another, <laughs> fly Spirit. Meanwhile, in frolicking with otters news, a ranch resort in Texas is offering guests the chance to swim with otters in a hot tub. For just $300, guests at Blue Hills Ranch outside of Waco can hop in a heated hot tub for nearly an hour with two otters. It's only $300 for the humans, but there's a much higher psychological price for the otters who have to spend 45 minutes in the same water where they just watched the previous couple doing it. Meanwhile, in a world clearly desperate for IP, there's a spirit Halloween store film in the works. The movie is about how a month earlier, this movie was a lady footlocker. <laughs> Meanwhile, in creative storage solution news, a man shoved a four-pound dumbbell in his anus. That is really dangerous. You gotta lift with your knees. <laughs> we'll be right back with Molly Shannon. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. 
All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to the show. My first guest is an actress you know from Saturday Night Live, The Other Two, and The White Lotus. She's now written a new memoir, Hello, Molly. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Molly Shannon. Thank you for being here, guys. Lovely to see you. Oh, my gosh, Stephen. It's so good to see you. You have... You, this is quite a, an achievement. You have yeah. a, a new memoir here called Hello, Molly, which is just getting extraordinarily wonderful notices. Thank um, you. It's extremely funny. And... It's also, and what is so surprising to so many people, it's a beautiful mm. testament to resiliency. Yeah. And if, if you don't mind me saying oh, no, how it opens, it, yeah. it, it opens with a car crash um, yeah. from when you were four years old mm -hmm. that killed your mother, your younger sister, mm. and your cousin. Mm -hmm. As, as, as you go to write your memoir, yeah. how difficult is that decision to lead with that part of your personal history? That was really hard, but... I think, um, you know, it is such a big part of my story because, you know, suddenly the rug is just pulled out from under me and my whole life changed in a split second. So it is an important part of my story. And so it kind of felt like, let's just say it, then we can, like, move on. And even writing it felt that way. I felt like, oh, once I was finished working, writing that chapter, I was like, oh, I feel like I could take a deep breath. It was really hard to, to write it all out, but I wanted to get it right and... You know, I, I deeply loved and admired my father, so I really wanted to, you know, handle that all correctly, and it was like doing surgery, kind of. Well, <clears throat> as, as you say, you, know, you want to get it out and move on. Mm -hmm. With those type of traumatic experiences from uh, childhood, it's hard to move on. Yes. And what, what do you... Th how, what well, part know... of that experience, like, lives with you to this day? I don't mean the actual moment, uh -huh. but... Can you even conceive, can you even possibly categorize the ways that formed who you are? Um, can I categorize? I mean, uh, yes, I, I mean, I often think, like, oh, some people have asked me, like, if you, if, do you think if that hadn't happened, like, if you hadn't lost your mom when you were little and your sister, if you still would have gone into show business? Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, I, I think, I don't know if I would have, and I, I can't, I have to say also that it's interesting that we both had a loss of a parent as mm -hmm. kids. I know you lost mm -hmm. your dad when you were and 10. Siblings. And two brothers, yeah. Peter and Paul. Mm -hmm. My little sister was named Katie. And then my sister Mary survived, thank God. But I was going to say, um, I've read... I think, you know, when you know somebody else who's lost a parent as a kid, I read everything you write about it because I relate to everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I know that I've read everything about you where you said you wanted to make your mother laugh and, like, cheer her up and stuff like that. Sure. Right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I relate to all that stuff, too, and in some ways I wanted to, like, you know make sure my dad was okay. My dad was really interested in writing and performing, and he, we used to do acting exercises in the house, and so I kind of also did that for him, too, because it made him so happy, like, getting into showbiz. You know, sure. I did it. You do it to, like, help them, too, you know? Sure. But... I mean, you, but... you in some ways, the, your own youthful vitality 
is like a jumper cable to their life and, and their ability to keep exactly. going. Exactly. You know, they're taking care of you, but in some ways you're, uh, the joke we used to make is that I sort of like, my mom and I raised each other from That's that moment so on. That's so cute. That's so sweet. Well, what do you think? I'm so sorry for your loss, even. Well, I'm so I think sorry about for your you loss so often, and, and I always, um, I read everything you say about that, and I loved what you said to Anderson Cooper. I thought it was so moving, and just you're so sweet. And I, I like that you talk about that stuff, and you're so intelligent, and you put it in such an elegant way, expressing that loss and what it gives you in understanding pain and grief and all that. And you just express yourself so elegantly, and I admire you for you know your intelligence and well, depth. That's, and, love, that's you know lovely I mean, of you to say. And I, I'm wondering what. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm wondering what it gave you. Um, what it gave me? Yes. You mean what, what hearing what you your, say that? No, no, oh, no, no yeah. not, not what okay. my life gave you. <laughs> I am a river unto my people. What I mean is what, what, what your life is. What do you think it gave you? I guess is is what I'm asking. Because people do say like, oh, do you think if this happened to you or didn't happen to you, would you still be a comedian? Yeah, yeah. To which my friend John Stewart said, a lot of people suffer. Not everybody becomes a comedian. So there's right. how do you how do you categorize why someone becomes a comedian? Yeah. But I'm curious what it gave to you. The knowledge that that has happened in your life? I think it gave me like a kind of urgent, I, first of all, I love being a mom and I'm so happy that I got to live way beyond all the years my mom lived. She when died when was I was that four. And what, so how old was she when she, she died? She was 33. So I think what it does is it gives me this like urgency about life, like, like and motherhood and having kids and it's a great comfort getting to do all the things she didn't get to do. And I just get like, oh my God, we're, we're all alive and like, I, I just don't, it's so sad to talk about it on such a comedy show, but I feel so grateful that we're alive and like we're living and I don't take it for granted because I guess like you never know how many years you have with somebody. So I feel like a, like grateful and a kind of urgency about like you're up to bat and you're you're alive. <laughs> Sorry, you can bleep it out. I don't want to No, swear. I know the feeling. Especially to you, no, a nice Catholic I, boy. Oh, I don't know about a nice Catholic boy, but a Catholic boy. <laughs> okay, Here, just in case you need that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, Molly will explain to us what the mammoth scam is and was. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. of Hello Molly, Molly Shannon. Resiliency is one of the secrets to survival in show business. Yeah. And uh, you write that your spiritual and business philosophy is struggle itself is meaningful. What yes. do you mean by that? Well, that was like when I was struggling in Los Angeles as, a, as an actress and I was waiting tables and it was just like so much rejection. And sure. I was like, oh, this is hard. It's just like I couldn't catch a break. And I remember a friend of mine 
had come out to LA and he got a part really quickly on Charles in Charge. Oh my God. And I was just like, oh, I was like, oh, no fair, this is so hard. And I, I went on a walk and I like prayed to God and talked to God. I was like, why does he get a part of Charles in Charge and I get nothing? And, um, but then during that walk, I just had like an epiphany where I thought, well, at least I'm out in LA pursuing my dreams, doing what I love. I'd seen a lot of kids that I went to high school with go to college, but then move back home and kind of not really do what they wanted. And I thought, well, that's really meaningful to at least go for what you want. Even if I never get it, at least I'm trying and that's great. So that's something to that. So even if I just try till I'm a grandmother, like maybe I, I, that's just what I'll be doing. And I decided on that walk, like, I'm just going to keep at it. And you know, this is good, you know? That's like wonderful. That kind of yeah, that's wonderful. I do feel that way. Yeah. I bet your mom would have liked that. Yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, that's right, what a mom right. would love for you. Right, right, I hope so. Thank you, Steve. In, in your early L.A. hustle hmm. days, this is one yeah. of my favorite show business stories of all time, <laughs> if you could share with the people. You, you and your friend came up with something called the Mammoth Scam. Yes. Please explain to the people what the Mammoth Scam is, was. Well, the Mammoth Scam was, um, we had, my friend Eugene Pack and I had gone to NYU Drama School, and uh, Eugene studied with David Mammoth. He taught some classes there, amazing teacher. And David Mammoth's an amazing writer, playwright, screenwriter, of course, Glenn Gary Gumross, brilliant. But basically, when we were in Hollywood, we couldn't get into, uh, into the doors of agents. It was just nobody was calling. I would walk up and down Sunset Boulevard, pass out my headshots. Nobody called. So we like, we got to get in the door. How can we do this? So, so we thought up, I thought up this thing, and I called it the Mammoth Scam, where I pretended to be, be this um, manager age. Uh, no, I pretended to be someone who worked for David Mammoth named Liz Stockwell, and Eugene Pack's fake, fake name was Arnold Katz. And we pretend we worked for and with David Mamet. So we would make calls for one another to get into agents. So I would call, and Liz Stockwell, my character, was just a, just a positive gal, just good energy. So, so, he would, so we would go to the AFI library and look up actors and who they were represented by. Like I was like, who's Joan Cusack's agent? So maybe I could, I could go meet that person. We did research, and then we had who we wanted to meet. So then I would call and say, hi, this is Liz Stockwell calling from David Mamet's office. And um, we kind of knew there wouldn't be a cross check because we knew that David Mamet stayed mostly in Vermont, New York. He didn't come to LA a lot, so people did, might not know. Sure. So when these agents would hear that David Mamet was calling, we, we could get right on the phone to the agent, they would put the agent on, and they would be like, I would say, David speaks so highly of you and your company, and we have this young kid out here, he's just an, uh, he's like the next hot thing, he's this, we'd make him the star, I see the star of David's new play, and we'd love to set up a meeting for you, and we had a rule where, you couldn't hang up the call till you had the appointment. And Eugene Pack and I had worked in sales together at Park Avenue, Park Avenue Squash and Fitness. This is Molly, can I help you? So we knew that when we were- We were selling gym memberships. We sold gym memberships, and the rule of selling gym memberships was don't hang up till you had the credit card. So we did the same thing with the mammoth scam. So whatever obstacle there was, like, you know, why don't you just have Eugene call when he gets to town? I go, oh, no, 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 Eugene is so busy with the meetings and rehearsals, so can we just get it? And then you get it. And then they would say, like, Liz, we should have lunch. And I was like, oh, I would love to have an assistant call you. I was just all business and delight. Did it delights. work? Did it work? It worked. We would, we would do it. <laughs> all right, that's a long story. It worked. So what happened was. What is this? Yeah, so, 
So during the mammoth skim, and we would crack up, like we would pass one of the notes, like say this, say that. And I, I met Bernie Brillstein. I mean, we met everyone. Sure. Bernie was like, give my best to David. I want you to meet my daughter, Lee. I mean, we met everyone. And I also really, I used to drive by, I love Twin Peaks and David Lynch. And I was like, I want to be on Twin Peaks. So, so Arnold Katz, Jean, called for me and got me a meeting with Joanna Ray, the casting director for Twin Peaks. And she was like, oh, you are a delight, Molly. I love you. You must meet David Lynch. And I got cast on Twin Peaks through the Mammoth Scam. <laughs> Respect. Thank you. Respect. You think? Oh my it God, that's good. fantastic. It was good. It was good. Oh. <laughs> you, that's you, how I got my start. That is fantastic. I'm a hustler, baby. Did you ever get? <laughs> did you ever get caught? Stephen, sorry, but yes, we did. I did get caught. We got a little like, you know. Crazy with it. I really want, I loved, you know, St. Elmo's Fire, and I was like, I want to be part of that Brack Pack, you know, Molly Ringwald and Ellie Sheedy. So I wanted to meet the agent to the Brat, Brat Pack. So, so Arnold Katz got me in, and I went in and sat with her, and she was like, she was just like, <laughs> I just wanted to see what a liar looked like in person. <laughs> Can you believe it? And I was like, oh my God, my heart was pounding. She was like, yeah, your little friend, um, Arnold Katz, called me. And, and uh, you think that you can like pull one over me? And I just acted really confused and kind of like, wait, what? Like, uh, uh, like confused. And then she was like, wait, can I ask you a question, honey? Are you dating this guy? And then I used all my acting techniques from NYU drama school. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I didn't been dating him just for like a few weeks. And he said that he could like help me out. He knows people in Hollywood and stuff. I just played really dumb. Like I'm just like a dumb girl who's manipulated by this. And she's like, well, honey, let me tell you. We t I turned around, she's like, this guy's a sleaze bucket and he can't help you. He doesn't know anyone. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. So, <laughs> so, we, so we turn it around, oh my God. And then I went, and then I went out to a payphone, and I called Eugene Pack, and I was like, I can't, we just got busted. And, you know, isn't oh, that embarrassing? So great. Yeah, so good. Molly, lovely to see you. Oh my Thank God, you you're the best. Coming up, Representative Corey Bush. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our next guest tonight is a nurse, a pastor, and an activist who last year became the first African-American congresswoman from the great state of Missouri. Please welcome uh, Congresswoman Cori Bush. Uh, we've, of course, we've spoken before. I interviewed you once before over Zoom yes. during the height of COVID. So nice to have you in person. I know, in person is so different. We got the audience and the energy. <laughs> we don't have to wait for the internet yeah. lag between the two of us. Last week, was there was a historic moment. Yes. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson became the first African-American woman <laughs> to be named to the Supreme Court. 
You were at this White House celebration last Friday. What what do you are gonna what are you gonna take with you? What are you gonna remember from that historic day? So first of all, the day before the weather in DC was gloomy and drizzling and you know, it was so cold. By eleven o'clock that night I was still out walking around and it was just freezing and I'm wondering what is the next day going to be like, you know, for this this ceremony that is supposed to be this joyous experience and the next day the weather was so beautiful. It was sunny, almost hot. Um, and so as we walked onto the garden at the White House, the band was playing and it was just the most amazing feeling. And uh, I remember, so I was seated in the third row, right behind the first lady. Um, and she was on the first row, I was on the third. And then um, Katanji Brown Jackson's husband was just a few uh, seats over from the first lady. And I remember, when she was speaking, Katanji Brown Jackson, she spoke about her husband. I looked over at him and I saw this tear roll down his face. I could see the tear and I held it together the whole time. Now I'm sitting there and you know, I cry. So, but I held it together. But in that moment, I was done. I broke, I broke, I broke. <laughs> if he goes, you go. Yes. <laughs> now, before, before you were uh, in Congress, uh, among many other things, you were uh, uh, born and raised in St. Louis, a yeah. uh, single mother, registered nurse, ordained pastor, but also a Black Lives Matter activist. Mm -hmm. And your Missouri colleague... <laughs> your colleague from Missouri, Representative Cleaver, said, and I want to get this right, it's a, quote, a tightrope to be able to do the agitating then come inside and negotiate. How do you balance on that, that tightrope? Because I assume you're seeing some of the people that you agitated against. Yeah, and that's okay, because that's why I chose to go to Congress, or at least to run. You know, I, I'm not taking off my activist hat to be in Congress. So I call myself a politivist. I, I coined the phrase. A politivist? Um, politivist. It's the politician and the activist. Because that, that activist is going to push, is going to be on the ground and listen and, and um, have the courage to move things that other people might not, you know, feel comfortable moving. The politician has the pen. The politician has the power of the purse. So marrying the two says, I hear what the people need. I'm out here with the people. I make a choice to be on the ground and then also use that to inform legislation. Well, you literally... <laughs> you literally were out there on the ground because in August you occupied the Capitol steps. Ooh, here, let my me, goodness. here we go. Yes. Let's get this out here. <laughs> so this was... This is representatives uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Cori Bush, protesting the, the uh, ending of the expiring of the eviction moratorium during COVID. That's what specifically you were out there to have it extended. Yes, okay. yes. So what was that like? How did the Capitol Police not give you trouble? So I won't say that, but yeah, I won't say that. But um, so because I didn't know the moment before I chose to stay out there on those steps, we, so we didn't look up to see, like, like do you need a... Uh, what does a permit look like? You know, what can you do? What can't you do? 
So we just went in and said, you know what? They are going to put... They're putting 11 million people at risk for eviction, and it's just going to happen, and we're just... Congress is supposed to go on vacation? I can't do that. I know what it's like to sleep in a car with my two babies. I know what it's like to be so cold, and you're wondering, like, what can happen to make you warm? I know what it's like to not be able to sleep throughout the night because I'm afraid my babies might not wake up because they're so cold. And so I couldn't imagine myself being in this position, forcing someone else into that or at least allowing it. And so, you know, we put cha- we set up some chairs and just stayed. The Capitol Police didn't even say anything at first. They they didn't know. They came back the next day and was like, "Oh yeah, you can't have chairs out here." You know. <laughs> you can stand, but you can't you have chairs. You can stand chair. and, and oh, you can't sleep. We we slept the day the first day. Well, we tried to. And they were like, "Oh, you can't sleep. You can't lay down. You can't." And so you had to just stand sit up on that cold concrete. It rained on us. But it worked. It worked, absolutely. And the extension... <laughs> absolutely. The extension of the moratorium yes. happened. Yes. Politivist. Politivist. <laughs> Politivist. Now, you, you often tweet... I've got this tweet right here. You often tweet... Ooh. Your congresswoman... Happy Saturday. Your congresswoman loves you. Who is the you that you're loving? So, it starts with my people in St. Louis, but then also... My, my work is just to love humanity, everybody. You know what? I don't even care if people... If you don't vote for me, if you, you know, if you say horrible things about me, the question I have for you is, did you eat, though? You know, did you have a home? You know, that's... You say all of these things, it's okay. Like, you can attack me with those things, but my work is to make sure that you have what you need. So I just love humanity. <laughs> that could be better. Thank you, Congresswoman. Congresswoman Cory Bush, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.